Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals he really should have seen by now and then we talk about them. I am the boyfriend. And you join us for a very exciting episode of the podcast. Because it is Fossey. Yes, that is Fossey. (laughs) So hello to anyone who has listened to us before. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us again. And hello if you are joining us for the first time ever. We are pleased to have you here with us as we talk about Pippin. Yes, indeed. I know nothing about Pippin. Other than that's Fossey. I know it's Fossey. The only other thing I know is I have a friend. Mm Mm-hmm. Believe it or not. I know it happens. It happens. Sometimes. I have a friend that I made a few years ago from Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. And she teaches dance. Mm-hmm. I know she's very into musicals. Yeah. This suddenly makes a lot more sense because I didn't know she was a dance teacher before you told me. And recently I was made aware. Yeah. She got a puppy. Mm-hmm. And she named her puppy Pippin. Yeah. So I messaged her a few days ago and I said, out of curiosity, did you name Pippin Pippin after after the show? And the answer was, yes, it's my favourite show. And I thought, oh, cool. Well, I'm I'm watching it for the first time. And she said, oh, you're going to have such a great time. The songs are great. This is my favourite musical. Cool. So I was already excited because the Fosse I've seen, which is Chicago. Yes was good like you said there's not much that can be done with the dance for chicago now it's fossy it's iconic why would you mess with that Mm -hmm. so i was excited for that and i'm excited even more if there's somebody i know outside of you saying this is their favorite musical yeah and you know you may have also noticed we've launched a new series it's your favorite musical podcast yep I'm, I, I love having those conversations with people about musicals that influence and inspire them. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't just our journey. There's a journey across the world people are having with musical theatre and building their own personal relationships. And to name a dog. Yeah, after a after musical. After a musical. I mean, this is it. Pets become... I, I, I feel like just saying naming your dog after it feels really degrading because dogs are so much more than pets. They're mm-hmm. family members. You've named this brand new life, this part of your family, after something as important as a musical. Yeah, and we have a friend of the podcast, Elena, who has had two dogs named after musicals. We have Phantom, who is adorable. Phantom, oh, that's super a, cute. Yeah, and Dolly now yes. as well. I it's got me thinking, like, what would I want as a musical themed name for a pet? Now, other than the I'm obvious, okay with Phantom. Yeah, and other than the obvious, have a cat and name them Rumple Teaser and Mungo Jerry, mm-hmm. or Skimble or Mr. Mistopheles, because we will have cats-themed cats. Yes, obviously. I can't think of a musical that I have seen, other than Phantom, where I think I could name a dog after it. That's a good point. I Do you know what I mean? Like, I just... There's nothing I feel has stood out. Maybe, maybe I would have a dog called Anna, simply for Anna in the Apocalypse. Yeah, but that feels wrong. It's a very human name, isn't it? Ironically, yeah. we'd be giving our dog a human voice. Uh-huh. But I don't feel like there's been a musical that's kind of... I, I Troy. <laughs> you would name a dog Troy. I would name a dog after Troy Bolton. <laughs> I would 100% refuse to call it Troy. I would just call it Troy Bolton. 
Yeah, Troy Bolton. Troy Bolton. Troy yeah. Bolton. So that's <laughs> that's the closest I think I have got to a. Well, dog then you name. also have like Sharpe is a type of dog. Yeah. So you could have Can a Sharpe. Can we just do High School Sharpe? Musical, but with like dogs? <laughs> I might enjoy that more. Yes. So we're wildly off the mark, but kind of what a way to start this week, you know. The influence of a musical that has such a personal connection for somebody. Mm-hmm. And if you are somebody listening who has a personal connection, obviously, shout out to Elena. If you have named a pet after a musical, or even if you have kids and you have named your kids after a musical theatre character that you love, let us know. I'd love to hear that story. Mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod or, or email. It's a musical pod at gmail.com. Yeah. So, Pippin is a 1972 musical with music and lyrics by Stephen Schwartz. Wicked. Yes. Amongst many other things, yeah. including Pocahontas, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Prince of Egypt, and Enchanted. Really? Yeah. I did not know he worked on those. Yeah. Did Hunch- he? Hunchback was sort of post film. Yeah. Like he worked with people on the film, but. Most of his interest in the in Hunchback of Notre Dame comes more into it with the stage show. So that he actually collaborated with Alan Menken on the stage show. Mm-hmm. Very cool. He didn't do Godspell, did he? Yeah, he did Godspell because mm-hmm. he showed up. Godspell was on. Yes, right. So we've not talked about Encore for the longest time. We watched this episode. We watched an episode on Pippin. Was it Pippin? I didn't watch it. There was Pippin and Godspell. Maybe I watched Pippin without I you. watched Godspell because he showed up and he helped yeah. direct it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so cool. It's yeah, and he show. directed it the way that he wanted it directed, which is not how it got made. Yeah. Um, so that was a really interesting episode. If you haven't watched Encore on Disney+, Plus, it's actually pretty good. Encore is fantastic. I, I hope there'll be a season two post, yeah. you know, the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a great concept yeah. of reunite people and again we've talked about personal relationship with musicals but it, you know reunite a former cast to do it and relive their their golden days mm-hmm. i think that's such a great concept and you know there's a few more of those encore episodes i can watch now because we've covered there's a high school musical one i can actually watch that now yep so stephen schwartz very talented mm-hmm. i i love wicked yeah uh, i know that we got a review asking for somebody to cut for us to cover Wicked, and whilst we have no plans to because we've both seen it, if they make a movie, we if will. they make a movie, hundred percent, we would we would cover yeah. it, and maybe if we ever get a chance to go see it live again, we'll cover it as a little bonus thing anyway. Maybe um, if I don't end up sat next to a somebody who's trying to record it on their phone the again, entire time yeah. again, that's happened to me twice. Stephen Schwartz is somebody. Is this the second Stephen Schwartz we or the first Stephen Schwartz that we've watched then for the podcast? I feel like we've talked about him before. We've definitely spoken about him before, but I don't know if we've actually watched a specific Stephen Schwartz musical on the podcast yet. Mm, Correct. We haven't watched a Stephen Schwartz yet. So this is a debut. We've referenced him. Referenced him, but never spoken about. So this is a debut for Stephen Schwartz. How early in his career is this? start is this so for Stephen Schwartz he has already done Godspell at this point in 1971 and then this is 1972 so this is his follow-up so this is yeah he's uh, done three musicals so he did Butterflies Are Free which was a play and then a movie Godspell Mass 
and then Pippin. Cool. Yeah. So he's worked with Fossey on this. Yeah. So, so he worked with Bob Fossey and Roger O'Hearson, who is a great book writer yeah. for musicals, but you won't know anything no, else that he's done. Name. Yeah, and Bob Fossey, who also contributed to the libretto for this, which is interesting. I don't know what libretto means. The musical lyrics. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You know when you get when you do a musical and you get your your script, but then you also get your big book of music yes. too. That's the libretto. Okay. Cool. Keyword. Yes. I've not learned that one before. Yeah. I've heard it, but I've never actually. You know, like you get to an age and you're like, I feel stupid asking. I can't that ask question. what this means now. Yeah. I've just asked on the air, so you yeah. know. Uh, Empower anyone, go and ask a question. If you don't know it, ask it. Well, you've directed musicals. Yes. Did you have a separate libretto? No. No. No, I See, don't think that's so. not a common thing. I don't thing. think we got it with School of Rock, because that's the only... Well, it will arrive I certainly didn't separately. get it with Greece. Certainly didn't get it with Greece, but School of Rock, we didn't yeah. get it. It would be a separate... It's kind of, you know, what the orchestra gets. But yeah. t- you're supposed to get one as... A book of music, basically. The singers, yeah. So, I thought Fosse was just a choreographer yeah so in Fossey's opinion he likes to work on the scripts as well or more the story than the scripts as well as the dance because those two things are so intrinsically linked oh yeah it affects the way that certain things happen well I think it's really really important that dance is seen as an enhancement to the story the Mm. dance should it shouldn't just be flashy and and high energy i feel like it should contribute and you should go on a story with it yeah it's not just like oh we'll just throw in a dance number here you yeah know? and i think that's something that like oklahoma i've you know i didn't have much positive to say about oklahoma but at least it's dance break told a story mm-hmm. as silly as it was and confusing because of the casting yeah it told a really good yeah, story added to the story yeah so at this point in bob Fosse's career he has already done a lot of projects. Yeah. Not many that you all have heard of, but things like The Pajama Game, Damn Yankees, New Girl in Town, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. It, that's an old one. Yeah, he's the choreographer for that. I that's from the 60s. I thought it was a very new one because obviously Daniel Radcliffe yeah. was in it, but I thought that it was... That was the revival. I thought that was like the debut. Yeah. Then I'd love done... to cover that one if that we ever found like a pro shot. I would really like Same. to see that. Did Darren Chris yes. do it as well? And also I think think nick jonas i'm not so fussed by that i like him he's the best jonas brother (laughs) and i'm willing to argue that on the air Uh, then he did sweet charity in the 60s and then pippin in the 70s yeah and he was director for that too okay and then we have pippin for which he was uncredited for the book yeah but you know but behind the scenes he's actually done far more than people and then he was a director and choreographer for that and then cool. in 75 he does chicago okay cool so this is pre-chicago so we're gonna give it some zazz with Obviously. him this one i'm assuming is gonna have some really really beautiful and well choreographed dance sequences yes that aren't just flashy numbers but are vital to the story mm-hmm. well so the version that we're going to be watching is the 1981 pro shot yes of Pippin. However, because of the way it was released, like officially this is a TV movie. Yeah. And it's called Pippin His Life and Times. So is this an autobiographical type? Well, not autobiographical. Is it a biographical piece? We'll talk about that in a second. Okay. But 
it's it's really weird and roundabout because this is a stage musical. This is a pro shot of the stage musical, except they've cut some parts Ooh. for TV. I guess it's not like Disney Plus. Even with Disney Plus, we had to have some mild censorship of Hamilton where they're allowed like one F-bomb. And they definitely did more. No, I know. But obviously, if we're putting this on an NBC, they have sponsors and yeah. they have people that they have to answer to. And yeah. as a result, we're going to have a very edited version of it to make it fit for broadcast. Yeah. So Pippin is a real person. Okay. He was the son of Charlemagne. I know, I recognise the name, but I don't actually know who Charlemagne is. Charlemagne was a, a king in the early Middle Ages. So this is like Joseph in the fact that it's looking back at the olden time. It's obviously not as far, but this is... Yeah, but none of this is based in reality. They just took the names. Okay. <laughs> they literally... It's like having Andrew Lloyd Webber write Joseph and then have it have absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. Yeah. You know? Like, this has no basis in historical fact. Other than that, you have Pippin and his father, Charlemagne. Okay. And it's all just, like, middle-agey sort of nonsense. But presented through a very, very interesting premise. Yeah. Which is one of my favourite things that has ever been done in musical theatre, which is that when you arrive to the show, you are presented with a show within a show. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So and that's the, all I'm going to tell you about it for right now. So these are actors preparing to stage Pippin. Well, this is very like Starkid in the sense of obviously not Starkid in in terms of they originated it, but you know Starkid where we maybe know the troupe better than what we're seeing. Oh, I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. It's fun, isn't it? So this debuts in 1972. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're going to have a level of success if in 1981 it gets a made-for-TV pro-shot movie. Yep. What was the reception to it like at the 1972-1973 Tony Awards? It is the 27th annual Tony Awards in 1973. Yep. It's the year after. Uh, for Best Musical, we have Pippin. Yep. And also A Little Night Music which is a song time. Okay. And then Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope, and Sugar. That sounds like a really interesting title. I'd like to know more about that musical. What, Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope? Yeah. I'll look it up afterwards. I'd like to know more about that one. Okay. Um, Sondheim is obviously a juggernaut. You want to guess how many nominations Sondheim got? How many categories? 13? Yeah. 10. 12. Pippin got 11. Okay. So, A Little Night Music won six, and Pippin won five. Okay, what did Pippin win? Best Lighting Design. Cool. Best Scenic Design. Yep. Best Choreography. I, I, I Obviously. think... Obviously. <laughs> it's Fosse. Yeah. Best Direction. Cool. For Bob Fosse, again. So he won two Tonys. Nice. In one go. Two Tony Fosse. Best Performance by a Leading Actor in a Musical for Ben Vereen as so that's the not... player. That, that's the main character. That's your Sweeney Todd type character leading. Or is that... I, I, I know we went over this a few episodes ago. The character's title yep. is the leading player. So that is your main character. Sure. So that would be... Sweeney Todd would have been nominated for that one playing Sweeney. If you were the judge, Judge Turpin, 
you wouldn't be going for that one. You're not the main character. There's the supporting one, isn't there? Oh, yeah. So there's best performance by a leading actor yeah. in a musical and best performance by a featured actor in yeah, a musical. Yeah, so that's why I get confused. They didn't win anything for featured. But, but, but leading actor is like your main character. Yes. Okay. But the name of the character that Ben Vereen was playing yeah. in Pippin is the leading player. Ah, oh, oh, this sounds so interesting mm-hmm. because they're breaking the fourth wall and it's all like... You know, we are actors putting on a show. Yeah. Oh. Ben Vereen is playing the leading player in the version we are going to be okay. watching as well, which so, is very exciting. How was it received on Broadway? I'm assuming it didn't win Best Musical there. Sondheim no, won Best Sondheim Musical. Sondheim won Best Musical. So, how long did it run for? run of Pippin, as of two years ago, yeah. is the 36th longest running musical in Broadway history. Okay. People love this show. Unsurprisingly, your friend named her dog after this show. And the original Broadway production ran for 1,944 performances before it closed in 1977. And then it just kept going and going and going, basically. So when you say it kept going, tours, revivals? So we get an original West End version, which opened in 73, which was short run. But it was a big deal. Like, it was sold out the entire time. Yeah. Like, everyone wanted to go and see it. Then it got a whole bunch of different national tours. So we had the Scranton Cultural Centre tour. Yeah. You can imagine that Michael Scott was there. Right. Young Michael Scott. How they did not reference Pippin in that show. They probably did. I would have noticed. Yeah, that's a very good point. You would have noticed. Yep. Then they had a second national tour, which they called the Pippin tour. Then the third tour is the Eisenhower tour, which started from New York, which is rare. Yeah. And then a tour from Denver and then going around cool. the rest of it. And then we got the Broadway revival with Patina Miller. And I love her. And when is this? That was in 2013. So it's been off Broadway from 77 to 2013. The third US tour was in 2006. Did that hit Broadway then? No. So that's what I was saying. That was the the last tour. So between seventy seven and two thousand thirteen, no, there was not a Broadway. So the twenty thirteen is a huge like welcome Mm. back. Yes, and Patina Miller here is playing Ben Vereen's character, the the leading leading player, player, because it's completely irrelevant whether the leading player is male or female. Okay, cool. And she also won a Tony Award for her performance. Nice. Yeah. How did it fare in terms of the Tonys with the revival? Was it well received? Obviously, it's got a best leading player. Mm-hmm. How did, did did it get many more nominations? It or? did really, really well because they started introducing a new aspect to it, which I can't tell you about until we've until seen we've it. watched it. That's fair. But I think I've shown you their Tony Awards performance before. It's possible. We have watched a lot of Tony performances. Yeah, they are the first two actors in Broadway history to win a Tony for Best Leading Actor and Best Leading Actress in the same role. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. I like... I was talking about it with some students today. You know, uh, the importance of, like, non-gendered roles. Yeah, it's like irrelevant casting, essentially. Because we saw Jake in Romeo and Juliet. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't know who Jake is, you can go and listen to our first episode of It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast. We speak with Jake, who is Drew's brother and an yes. actor. Mm-hmm. And he 
was Romeo in Romeo and Juliet. And their production had a female Mercutio. Yeah. Which I think is very interesting anyway. Mm-hmm. And I, I think is one of those roles that it doesn't actually matter what gender Mercutio is. Yeah, it doesn't make I, any difference. It, it literally makes no difference. And I was thinking about this, I was talking with this, because we're doing Elizabethan theatre, and we're talking about it, and we were talking about, are there any other characters in Romeo and Juliet that could be non-gendered? And someone raised Tybalt. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, they they, I, they all could be. Mm-hmm. But I thought Tybalt was the most interesting. Like, mm. I could I could, I could could visualise a female Tybalt. Yeah. I think that'd be very interesting to see. So I like this. I like the idea that well, you... we cast the right actor for this role. Yeah. And if you think about Anne Julia, which I hope is opening. It is. It's, it's again, got tickets. And I, think... I really want to go and see same, that. Um, same. Makusho is non-binary. Yeah. And played by a non-binary actor. Which I, so think is, I think is absolutely amazing. Yeah. So the revival, the 2013 revival of Pippin also starred Terence Mann. From Chorus Line. Yes. He was the one who was the uh, the, the dance leader. Dance captain, yeah. Is Chorus Line Fosse? No. Okay. You just know that it's obviously got a very, very elaborate dance routine. So yeah. I kind of It's got a lot of um, associations. You can see where basically Fosse has influenced it more mm-hmm. than anything else. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So there's... I don't want to ask more questions because I don't want you to reveal things. Simply because I get the sense that this is one... That you wish we'd be live streaming so that the listeners could watch my reactions to it. Mm-hmm. I get the sense that this is one that you are desperate for me to watch. We're yeah. going to be watching on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Before we do go and watch Pippin, the one question I'm going to ask is like your history with this show. You know, what is your history with Pippin? So I, <laughs> there's a book of this musical. Yes. And it's like a weird illustrated kids book and I had it when I was a kid. I have no idea when this book came out. This might be some weird fever dream that I yeah. had as a child. It's a, it's it's a real potential. Yeah. Who knows. <laughs> but I remember reading the story and being like, wow, that's so interesting because the narrator in the book was like talking to the reader. So it was like not a normal book format. Yeah. And I just found that really interesting. And then I found out it was based on a film, which is this version that we're going to watch. And I went and watched it. And then I found out that that was being remade into a Broadway musical and revived as the 2013 version. So you only learned about this... Fairly recently. Fairly recently. So this is, you know, maybe 2012, 2013, when you've learned about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's really cool. And then I saw, I watched the Tony Awards and they did their performance at the Tony Awards of the opening number from the show. And I was just sat there like, what? What is happening? Oh, I just realised what you're going to know from this. You know the Neil Patrick Harris Tony Award opening where he jumps through that hoop? Yeah. That's Pippin. Okay. That's the reference. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's the Pippin reference, Fair. basically. Okay. And that's I saw that and I was like, wow, that's amazing. That First of all, that Neil Patrick Harris jumped through that hoop. Incredible. But also the opening that they did afterwards. Okay. And I was like, I need to see this. And I watched every version of it I could get my hands on. I've seen all the behind the scenes footage, all of the training footage, like rehearsal process. Yeah. Incredible. Cool. So this is one that you really are fond of. Mm-hmm. 
it's not quite a high school musical level of nostalgia but it's one that you learned and you did a deep dive of Mm -hmm. like you just became completely infatuated with it and yeah cool so uh, we're off to watch Pippin yes and we will be back very very shortly to give it some zazz and talk about this Fosse Schwartz collaboration yes we definitely have some magic to do that's a reference I don't get yet Take time for spring will turn to fall in just no time at all. And we are back. We have returned from the show within the show. Scathed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't get it. I think that's completely fair enough. This is the thing, is I consider myself an intelligent person. I've watched and studied drama and film for a long time now, mm-hmm. since like 2000 and... I guess starting from GCSEs, 2004, till today, I have actively been studying drama, film, media. Yeah. I consider myself an intelligent person. <laughs> I don't get this i just didn't understand it what the the plot just everything just everything and like (laughs) as it went along it stopped being fun oh i'm sorry and like by the time we got to the second half where everything started to implode Mm -hmm. it was like there's not been enough of this through act one for this to suddenly be so prominent because the stuff like the the breaking the fourth wall and play within a play convention mm-hmm. was used very very sparingly in Act One. Yes. And then it's all just suddenly imploding. Yeah. Cause... And but but it's not been used enough for it to actually make sense. But the the leading player doesn't need to intervene during Act One. But that's the that's my issue with it though because it just comes all of a sudden so much and it's just like why. I feel like there should be more of it in Act One. Just, I, just small I think bits, that's understandable. Small bits within Act One where it's like, you did a great job, well done. You knew I did the right choice in casting. You just small throwaway lines. Mm-hmm. So that when it suddenly comes like this, it's not like a bombard of it because it feels like it should have been building and it's suddenly gone from like 10% to 100%. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't work. Yeah. Do you and want it, to try and explain what the plot of this... No, because I don't know. It was epic theatre, I know that much, that we've obviously spanned far more years of Pippin's life than we're led to believe. You know, this isn't Is that what that means? Yeah, epic theatre is um, plays that take place over a longer duration. That's what epic theatre is. And yeah, because obviously... usually the, the shows that we cover take place over like... Like Mamma Mia's a weekend. Yeah, and Romeo and Juliet is, is three days, yeah. you know. A lot of plays we've dealt with. And and this is a thing I have is I think in terms of the passage of time, this worked better than Rent ever did. Mm. You know, I knew that this was multiple years and they didn't need to be more specific than be like 10 years later. Mm. You could just tell because you just you kind of know that there's no way all of this can happen. So that this is epic theatre and I know that. 
I guess you've just got Pippin who doesn't know his identity, so he tries out many other things. Yeah. The problem is I don't like Pippin. I don't you think... You mean the the character? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't care for him as a protagonist because he's a spoiled white rich boy yeah. with white rich boy problems, mm-hmm. which isn't relatable in the slightest. And But that is the only reason why the company can manipulate him the way that they do. It wouldn't f- work if it was somebody else. I don't feel else. like they are ever manipulating him. They don't have to. He's an idiot. No, but it, it, it doesn't feel like they are ever manipulating him, which is why when everything starts to go to pot and at the end of Act 2, mm-hmm. it's so like out of nowhere because not enough has been done with that. Okay. It doesn't feel like he's ever being led by the leading player. It just feels very much that like, oh, they're just watching it. Yeah. And I think... I think that had a massive impact on my levels of enjoyment. It's like in Rent, the opening bit, it's cool. I like the music, but as the plot goes on and as the story goes on, because I'm having less fun, the songs are less fun. And I certainly feel like I had that with Pippin, that I wasn't enjoying it. So actively, musically, I didn't care for it because I'm so not into this world and into these characters. There's not much for me to kind of enjoy with this well maybe when we talk about it i feel like yeah maybe if you explain things to me maybe it will change my opinions but i just don't get it and i didn't enjoy it okay (laughs) which is disappointing because i'm just i was hyped for this one i've heard some really good things about this one and you know yeah I, i like being challenged when i watch things but it's like they're challenging you, but they're not quite sure on what they want to do with the challenge. You know? I don't know what I'm supposed to get from this play. <laughs> okay. So the premise of Pippin is that there is this travelling company. Yeah. And in different versions, they are different things. In this one, they are a theatre troupe. And then in the revival, they're a circus. And I got that. Like, I got the sense that this was them travelling and showing off theatre to someone else. You know, you had a Commedia dell'arte mask, right. for instance. But every time they travel to a new town and they end their show with a big finale... They kill their Pippin. They kill their Pippin. Yeah. Because he always agrees to die. And then with this one, the arc that he takes, we end up with a Pippin who finally realises that while he is extraordinary and special, everyone is. And everyone has to deal with but that's what being I don't, normal. But that's why I don't get it, is it's because it's an actor playing Pippin. Mm-hmm. So he's improvising as he goes along. Yeah, but also the point is this guy, this character trope, is everywhere. There are hundreds and thousands of, not just men, but people in the world who believe that they are above normal everyday things because they are extraordinary and they've lived their whole lives with people telling them that and they believe it wholeheartedly until they realize that they're never going to be fulfilled in life because they aren't as extraordinary as they were led to believe yeah but i still don't understand why this pippin because he's not pippin he's just an actor doing it Mm. so i don't understand it Okay. I don't understand the self journey and all those sort of things, and and the fact that there's some, been something more sinister this whole time, 
why has there not been more re- reference to like, I got this, they're almost doing it as a sacrifice. Like this is some kind of uh, Dionysus festival and they're sacrificing him to Dionysus at the end. I got that. And obviously he's refusing mm-hmm. and the leading player becomes, you know, having a breakdown. It, it's like the end of Cabin in the Woods. Like they have to do this ceremony, but there's not enough to suggest why. It just comes so out of nowhere, out of left field. Why don't we have more references to the fact that they kill this Pippin throughout? Yeah. That, for me, I don't understand. It's like you've got from A to Z with no rest of the alphabet in between. Mm-hmm. You know, I I got that at the end, but I just didn't understand the journey and I didn't understand, like, the references in the middle. Yeah. And it starts really, really, like, positively. Yes, we you are know. introduced to the troupe by the leading player yep. with magic to do, which invites us to come and watch their travelling show. I liked the fossy jazz hands. It's like the opening to Cats with all the cat eyes. Eyes, yeah. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. And I recognise this song. I don't know where I know it from. I know that you showed me the revival, which looked ten times better. Mm. You know, um, more colourful and more like... I liked... I felt like they'd really chosen a tone more so than this one because there were so many different types of performance in there. It wasn't a consistent element of all these people come from... I, I didn't get the sense of travelling troops. Yeah. I didn't get a sense of cohesion in their community because every single one of them had a different kind of look to their costume. You had some masked performers, you had some non-masked. There was no continuity or link between them. They just felt like a gang of misfits, which didn't work for me. And when you've got this travelling troop cohesion, when you show me the revival, mm-hmm. instantly I got it, enjoyed it far more. As a sequence, it's okay. I, I think the choreography is crisp. And I can't fault that. I think that the choreography for this whole show is incredible. Mm-hmm. The leading player is by far the best part of this show. Yes, Ben Vereen is a phenomenal actor. But I feel like whenever he's not on stage, everything else just falls flat and I'm just waiting for him to come back on. I, I didn't really enjoy a lot of the other actors in this one. And yeah, maybe... I will say with the version that we watched, obviously this is the only one we have access to, yeah. unfortunately. There was supposed to be a Miramax film. Yeah. Um, this wouldn't work as a film. After Chicago. This wouldn't work as a film. No, I agree. But it would have been a more high quality version. This is kind of a pro shot. It's a made for the, TV movie. Yeah, the audio quality is not great. Especially yeah, well, it's for the, the first the time we've had subtitles on in a show. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't understand what was being said. So there's you know, already a level of disconnect there with this. Which is fine. I think if ever there's a show to watch with subtitles, it's Pippin. I watch everything with subtitles. I know, but if there's ever like a show that kind of really helps with the illusion of what they're trying to create, mm-hmm. Pippin is one to have like the constant like subtitles of looking and reading what they're saying as you watch. But, you know, you look at the performers in the background and there's so many different styles. Like you've got Kabuki-esque makeup and Kabuki-esque costumes. Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, some Commedia dell'arte masks and Commedia dell'arte costumes. And then you've got the leading player looking very jazzy, you know, like, you know, with the sparkling costume yeah, and stuff like that. And, it's... and in the Patina Miller version... It's the same kind of thing. Like the circus troupe are all wearing bright colours. Yeah. They're all in leotards and corsets. And then you have Patina Miller in all black. But again, there's more cohesion in that yeah. one. You know, I was, I was kind of getting the sense of, because I've been doing with my year nines, we're looking at, you know, history of theatre and we were looking at medieval 
mystery plays, magical plays, morality plays, you know. Um, this is all of those things. Exactly. So I was kind of thinking, okay, this is kind of what I'm going to get. This is that kind of folksy mama tale. I thought that's appropriate. I've been looking at them this week. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a period of theatre I particularly know much about, and it's not an era of theatre I'm particularly that interested in learning more about, but it's important. But I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is going to be interesting. I'm going to actually see something in practice that way. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, this is very like greatest show with a hype man coming out. And I, I think... It's a better... Oh, no. <laughs> I, what I meant is it's more like you've got the idea of a hype man coming out and introducing yeah, everyone. Yeah, the ringleader. And the yes. opening is so strong when they say, like, this is the tale of Pippin. And they have the... Yeah. You know, the reveal with Pippin, the life and times, and they, you know, quickly show the age. They held up like a... They held up the little boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Small things like that was really fun, you yes. know. And I wanted more like that, you know, more like cheap and tacky as opposed to big and Broadway, you know. Yeah, it. I do feel with Pippin, with this version, that it's written to be very panto, right? Yeah. Like a lot of audience breaking the fourth wall, like directly addressing certain members of the audience but they've toned it down i don't think it's panto though i think it's brechtian epic theater okay but my reference is panto yeah it's it's their from dance effect where they're trying to alienate the audience and educate us on something but still engage with them yeah that's what brecht does like he talked directly to you you know Mm -hmm. with, with brecht i've seen you know, Caucasian chalk circle where before the show even starts, all the actors are there talking to you about the characters they're going to play, the themes of the show and how they've interpreted the actors. We're shattering the illusion. And there's elements of this already. I don't think pantomime's a fair comparison because it's not meant to be silly. Mm-hmm. There's obviously meant to be humour, but I don't think it's meant to be pantomime levels. Yeah. So we have... The introduction to what the story is that they're going to be telling, which yeah. is the story of Pippin. And then they introduce the actor who's going to be playing Pippin, which is William Catt, who famously was Tommy Ross in Carrie and also auditioned to play Luke Skywalker. I don't know who Tommy Ross is in Carrie because I've never seen that. Well, he's the boy in Carrie. Okay. The like important boy. But he, yeah, he auditioned to play Luke Skywalker, which means he has been in like every Star Wars documentary ever because they filmed his audition yeah. to use because he was a front runner to yeah. play Luke Skywalker. You can see there was a, a naive, like, innocent... Whiny teenage boy. Yeah, there's, 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 aspect you, yeah you can it. definitely see something. And, you know, I think Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, that's the only person I could ever see playing that role, mm-hmm. especially as he's aged. You know, I don't know how... How well, the, you know, Pippin's aged. Yeah. But I think, you know, Mark Hamill in the newer trilogy, the fan fiction trilogy, as you like to call it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as an aged Luke Skywalker works. Oh, for sure. I... I... Here's, here's my thing with this. I agree with you. He is not the most talented singer in the whole world. Which isn't a bad thing, but I think... The show is so written to be sung by phenomenal singers... Yeah. Pippin specifically has a lot of really, really high notes that actors find really difficult to sing. You can see with the, there's clips of the modern Pippin where you can see that the actors in that are pushing, Mm -hmm. you know, they're trying to get up there and it sounds, always sounds like it hurts. 
you know? Yeah. But- and even if you get somebody with a great falsetto, it still doesn't sound amazing. And this so is this it. is I, hard for him. Yeah, and it's hard for him. And I think, therefore, it's not the right casting because mm. there's so many moments in... Yeah, I can't sing. I, I appreciate that. You know, I know that. And I know it's obviously very taxing to do this. But I think more so than any other show we've watched, there's a lot of moments I'm thinking, huh, mm. that sounded flat. That didn't sound like it hit the right the right levels and he is supposed to be you know the 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 main person that we're watching Mm -hmm. you know i so they say that pippin is new yes played by a new actor so he might be a little bit nervous yeah and i like this moment of breaking the fourth wall i thought that's really cool Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking great we'll have more of this we didn't until like later on i was enjoying it at this point i thought like this is really cool i like this constant breaking the fourth wall Mm mm-hmm it needed to be used more. Mm-hmm. Um, this song, we get some weird lines. Children fit in the snow. Yeah, I always... I, I love this soundtrack. I love specifically the 2013 Revival album. It's on... I think it's on Spotify. It's probably other places. Go and listen to it if you haven't listened to that version. Yeah. It is incredible. And the guy that plays Pippin in that is phenomenal. But yeah, that's a, that's a weird line. Yeah. And I, basically, I realised that Hercules stole this song because this is just I Can Go The Distance. Yeah. So Hercules stole this. So you've mildly taken down Hercules a few steps in my book through it's this musical. It's the whiny 90s boy I want song. Yeah. Yeah. So you've ruined Hercules a little bit for me. And you I are love welcome. That <laughs> you know, I, I wondered, there's a leading player offering prompts here because he, he kind of, the way he interacts with Pippin... Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at it here, and you, you, this is where you, uh, one of the only points that you actually see some kind of manipulation until later on. Yeah, we needed more manipulation. Yeah, of of Pippin throughout. The leading player does some magic tricks, and you know that's very cool. And he he does that magic trick where you hide a little red handkerchief yeah. in a thumb. Yeah, and that's how they do it, right? You I don't know. I, I don't like to shatter the illusion when it comes to magic but then he goes over to the floor of the stage and he pulls out another red sheet and he throws it up into the air and then the set rises which i really like yeah that i think, I think that's was very cool very the reveal nice. of the royal court was fantastic yes and we are introduced to charlemagne which needs an actor of enormous power yes why thank you and a giant in the bedroom yes oh well <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> yeah you know again nice moments breaking the fourth wall where did that go? Mm-hmm. Nowhere. His dad doesn't care. He hears only what he wants to hear. Yeah. Enter Lewis. And his <laughs> posturing is great. Yeah. We are introduced to some magnificent armour. Yeah. Yes. And Fastrada, which is Lewis's mother, Pippin's stepmother, yeah. is played by Cheetah Rivera, who was the original Velma Kelly in Chicago. So again, another like yes. student of Fosse. Yeah. He likes his people. You know, poor, poor Pippin. He has an awful home life. He, we, he doesn't we, seem to know he has an awful home no, life. No, and, and this is the thing. We're established he's been sent to school because education is important. You know, he's the smart one and Lewis is the dumb one that will inevitably die in battle. Mm-hmm. You know, he's great now as a warrior, but he's not going to last. He's not going to be a king. Yeah, no, he's literally dumb as a rock. Yeah, and, you know, considering he is so intelligent, I don't get the sense he's actually intelligent. He's book smart. I don't get the sense he's ever book smart. 
yeah, with Pippin. He 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 also feels dumb as a rock. Yeah. I think it's so... it's supposed to be that he got all this chance for education because then his song Corner of the Sky is yeah. him telling his teachers what well, I'm leaving. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's taken two lessons and feel like feels like he knows everything. Yeah, basically. But you can interpret it that way and have it be like, oh, he's that kid that's like, no, I'm too smart for university. So yeah. he just leaves. And goes on his gap year. Yeah. That's then, basically what this is. And then kills his dad. This, this is the issue. He's such an unlikable character. Hmm. I can't I I can't watch things where there's no one to root for. Why? Because how am I supposed to view this world? How am I supposed to access this world? Well, we're supposed to learn something from it. I learnt nothing from it because I, I literally didn't care for anyone. Which, you know, again, Brechtian theatre, we're not supposed to see them as characters. We're supposed to watch because it's supposed to change our lives and inspire us to do change, you know. Yeah. It's supposed to give us some kind of political message or world message. But... I didn't care enough about any of the characters to, to want to see this change, I guess. Or if there was a change, I didn't understand it. So it's not even clear. Because there's times where there's not enough... There's, there's times where you're supposed to look at these characters and try and feel for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel for any of them. No one in here is likeable. Yeah. Charlemagne may or may not be a giant in the bedroom, we learn. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because... Uh, Frustrada is like, mm, may or may not. Yeah. And really... I love <laughs> I think she's hilarious. I love that she does the repeated line over and over again where she'll ask for something and whoever she's talking to will be like, no, you can't have that. And she's like, oh, well, you know I don't understand it because I'm just an ordinary housewife and mother, just like all you ordinary housewives and mothers out there. And it's like, she's obviously this, like, conniving witch. Mm. But... I love it. I didn't think it was done enough to kind of understand why it was being said. I think we got it twice. Yeah. And I didn't, like, get it or understand it. It. I just think it's really funny. You laughed a lot at this and I didn't understand why. Okay. There's a lot of occasions where you were laughing at this this show. I'm just wondering. So I'm like, am I missing something? Because I just didn't see it. I didn't By the s- sounds of it, yes. <laughs> I didn't see the humour in what you were laughing at. Okay. And you're laughing a lot and I'm thinking, what have I missed? We get... So we've had Welcome Home, which is quite a short song. Um, It's mostly just introductions. Yeah. And then we're going into War is Science. So Pippin hears that Charlemagne and Lewis are going into battle against the Visigoths. Yes, because we learn that Charlemagne's job, he is dedicated to bringing Christianity to old, even if it means killing every non-believer to do it. Yes, he is the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. Yes. Um, and the Visigoths are a Germanic group. So they're going into war against the Visigoths. Yeah. Ha, the Visigoths, which is something people say over and over again in this. Yeah, and Feisty Pippin becomes a warrior. Ish. He has the smallest little sword. Yeah. They give him essentially a knife, you know, and everybody else gets swords. And Charlemagne holds his court, and we get some of my favourite choreography in this yeah, show. This choreography is fun, you know, and I like some of the costume design and the, the prop design here because, like, the little tambourines have skulls on them, and mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, the, the percussion that the actors are providing, the... You know, it was, it was mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, they're tapping their feet and slapping their thighs. And 
having absolutely no emotion about being about to go into battle. Well, no, I assume these are his generals. We we get the line, war is a very serious business, and then they posture and look the, the sheer opposite of serious. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the difference between the people who plan the war and have all these really sanitized ideas of what this war is going to be like compared to what actually fighting is like, which is all the like animalistic chaos. Yeah. And the juxtaposition of it in this song is really nice. Yeah. But we get Charlemagne explaining what the plan is going to be and where they need to be on the map. And then Pippin being like, yeah, we're going to go fight. Great. Yeah, I'm a warrior now. And (laughs) Charlemagne being like, sit down. (laughs) Yeah. Irritating child. And then at the end of this whole section, they do a prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, praying to destroy and wipe out every single... Yeah, you know, Viseroff. Slaughter. Yeah. yeah, and Pippin doesn't look sold on this prayer. It's kind of like, huh? But what I liked about it was you could see that Lewis knew it, like, verbatim. He was, yeah, we've said this prayer before. We've said this prayer before, and he's just mouthing along the lines. He's not speaking aloud, but you know he's saying it word for word, as yeah. Charlemagne is. We go to Glory, which I've put as, like, my favourite song. That's interesting. However, I don't remember anything about how any of the songs in this go. Okay. A, a day later. Well, you just sang one. And I've already forgotten it. <laughs> you know, and this is a day later. Um, I think what I liked most about Glory was like, this is a really fun way to stage a war in Absolutely. a musical. Yeah. And I think it was more the spectacle here that I liked. Yeah. Rather than the song itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's the leading player to kind of introduce this whole sequence with some amazing dance moves. Yes. And... You know, there's a comparison of wars and chart toppers, which I thought was really poignant. Mm-hmm. You know, where they're like, and in at number five, it is this. And then at number one, with a record, however many million died, oh, yeah. the Second World War. Yeah. Okay. It's very horrible histories, isn't it? I wouldn't say it's horrible histories. Did you watch horrible histories? No. So I don't know. <laughs> I just know we history. sat on the bus and, you know, the, the naming of the, the Monarchs song. Oh, yeah. No, it's like just... Dropping in this fact about how many hundreds and thousands and millions of people died completely not it like irreverently. Yeah, you know? but you know, this is another point where I then had issue with the troop because they look like a very medieval troop in, in, in all their clothes. Yeah. They don't look like they are a troop of actors from the nineteen eighties. Mm. Which therefore for me was like huh? Because it was suddenly like we're refer- so we're actually in modern day. I thought we were back in the sixteen hundreds staging this. Like I thought this was meant to. Oh, I see. So for me, I'm just like, huh? You know, are we just throwing anything at the the wall and hoping it's everything's going to be part of this and it will stick? And it just took me. It started to really take me out of it again. It's like this is a nice section, but it's completely thrown everything I thought I knew about this play away. Yeah. You know, I thought this was supposed to be like almost a, you know, travelling troop from the 1600s. Like this, that was, that was the appeal of this. It was supposed to look like an olden time performance mm-hmm. in a modern day. So, yeah. But it's, it's a poignant kind of message about war. War yeah. is bad. It's, you know, and it's only going to get worse from here. Mm-hmm. So. We get Bob Fosse very famously choreographed this piece called the Manson Trio which is the dance that the leading player does here with the two dancers behind him while the war is going on behind them 
and it's just like a really disconnected little dance number that goes in front of something horrifying happening. Yeah. And he, it, it happens in a couple of different versions of the show and it happens in a couple of different Fosse shows as well. Yeah. But I really like it. And that little, the little tune for it, which sounds like whistling, gets stuck in my head all the time. Oh, yeah. It's great. We get the line in this one, war is strict as Jesus. And as that line is said, following it, we then get silly music and limbs being thrown on stage. Mm-hmm. And you laughed and I didn't understand why. I laughed because they were throwing limbs on stage. Okay. Um, Charles the Great wins, but Pippin mm-hmm. looks horrified. Clearly yeah. there's not much grandeur in being a soldier. No. You know, so careful what you wish for, Pippin. You know, you're looking at Lewis and thinking, I should be more like that. Well, no. You shouldn't be more like that. It's not for you. You are not built for this world. Yeah, so we get Simple Joys, which is Pippin deciding that he's going to run away from the palace and he's going to go and just be a simple person because the leading player is telling him how great these simple joys of the world are rather than what he's doing. Yeah, you see, I didn't get that as the leading player telling Pippin that I thought it was more just like narration. Mm which I think is part of where maybe this has fallen flat for me, is because it wasn't clear that it was to this actor. Okay. It felt like narration to move the story forward as opposed to manipulating this actor. Yeah. It's meant to be he, that he's telling him, oh, hey, you should try this instead. Yeah, it doesn't Because we have so many lines where he references different things that Pippin's never paid attention to before, like summer evenings Mm. and the sky being blue and different things. But this has a really great line where he says, simple joys have a simple voice that says, time is living's price, which is really deep. (laughs) And I don't like thinking about it too hard. But yeah. I mean, this is clearly that morality play thing. The leading player is the little devil. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, which, you know, in hindsight, I think it's in the ending, he's the little devil trying to lead this this boy to do a sacrifice. But the problem is they they don't make a big enough deal that this is an actor playing Pippin. It's like, he is Pippin. And we need more moments where this actor is stepping up, going, you know, more moments in this where he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. What's the point of this scene? Oh, don't worry, just just do what I say. There's not enough moments. You're, you are supposed to believe this kid is Pippin. Have they just got a time machine and plucked a Pippin out and they're just sacrificing, let's say, different historical figures? I think the point is these boys will always act the way that Pippin did if you tell them their part. And so they'll always make the same choices. The leading player is essentially a dungeon master. Yeah, but it doesn't work for me because we're seeing Pippin. We're seeing the character make these choices, not the actor making these choices. Yeah, but we call all the other characters by their character names. Yeah, but weirdly see them play other roles, so it's not an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, we see Charlemagne as one of the troop. We never see it with Pippin. So we're led to believe that this is Pippin. And this is, you know, him from history. So this moment here, in hindsight, makes a little bit more sense in that way. Mm-hmm. However, doesn't make sense on an initial watching. So it didn't hit the mark of what it's supposed to achieve. Mm. I sure am glad at this point I don't feel purposeless and flat. Yeah. Um, But wouldn't you rather be a left-handed flea? (laughs) I love all the rhymes in this. But we also get a great blooper, which is that the lyric is supposed to be, 
a fig on a twig in Galilee, and Ben Vereen sings a twig on a fig in Galilee. Yeah, I'm surprised that was stuck in. <laughs> I love it. And we have Enter Bertha, who is Pippin's grandmother, who hates Needlepoint. Yes, and she was exiled to the countryside by Fastrada because they had a difference in personality. Yes. And her whole thing is, Pippin is way too serious for somebody who's young. He isn't appreciating what he's got. Yeah. And that he needs to get over himself, which yeah. is great. Somebody needed to tell him. And she says that men raise flags because they can't get anything else up. True that. True that. No time at all. You know, her energy's great. I wish we had her more frequently through this show. Every time the show starts to do something I like, it's very quickly gone and we move past it never to see them again. And... Yeah, that's true. She never shows up again. Yeah, and it's... The actress does. Yeah, but... And I get that as part of epic theatre, you know, but still. This is the, like, Tom Bombadil moment. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just kind of like... What is the point? She's in it for all of three minutes. She gets a song, that's it. We never see her again. Because somebody important enough to him that he would listen to has to tell him to get over himself. And it has to be somebody that's older than his yes. father. But it's just, it's it, it's very much the antithesis of what you want musical theatre to be. Why? You know, there's, I don't know. Like, I just, you want to see more of the cast and characters you like. And this character felt like there was a lot more joy and everything in the world then never comes back again yeah because she's busy having all the simple joys yeah yeah she talks about how she never bothered when she was young to pay attention to what she had and that as she's gone older she's decided to do away with caring about things essentially so if there's a challenge she'll take it and if there's cake she'll eat it you know yeah I like the bit where she says we can only sing the chorus because the verses are hers the lyrics descend from heavens and we have you know, a little light bobbing along like a famous little Mickey Mouse head for the sing-alongs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then we come to the, the second chorus and she stops her and says, no, she'll take it. She, you know, stops everything She wants else. to sing this one just to Pippin and then the lyrics change. Yes. And then Pippin has his sexual awakening and discovers women. He's followed her advice. He's going to enjoy the simple joys and he is going to get some. Yes, we get With You, which starts out as... A very romantic, like, sweet little song. And then he sees another woman and and literally just disappears. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like the staging and the choreography of this sequence where Pippin Mm. is going from one to the next. Mm. In the revival, they put him in a cage and all the women dance around the cage because they've trapped him. Cool. I love it. Yeah. You know, um, he's a Pippin Tom. And he spies on ladies through the keyhole as they bump and grind next lesbians. to each other. Yeah, he spies yes. on some lesbians. And yeah, you know, this sequence is silly, but it's fun, you know, as they, they dip him up and down as the women roll underneath Yeah, him. that's cool. You know, it's a fun little sequence to mm. kind of show the hollowness of that life. Yeah, this isn't fulfilling him at all. This is what Barney Stinson's life is like. You yeah. Know, that, you know, yes, on the outside, it looks great, but this is how it actually feels on the inside. It's mm-hmm. empty just to go from one to the next, to the next, to the next. It's like in that episode where Barney hits his 200th. And then at the it's end, like he it just actually sits. doesn't matter. At, yeah, at the end, he just sits drinking and it's when he notices Robin. He's like, in his head, this is everything he's going through. This is his inner monologue being like, this is all you've done. Yeah, it's hollow. And what you now need to do is settle for something meaningful. You've done this, now get down to the real Mm-hmm. The real matter. Yeah. And we also learn that Pippin's bi. Yeah, we see that Pippin is enjoying 
multiple pursuits with yeah. with men and women and yeah it eventually gets too much for him and yeah he, he, he climbs up the wall to try and get away from them and yeah. then he tells them to leave him alone gets his bum pinched yeah when you frolic you really frolic don't you is a <laughs> to him. boy when you frolic you really frolic don't you yes so that's hilarious we, i really like i think it's more ben vereen than the leading player I just find him so charming. Yeah. And I know we get the descent into his darkness, but oh, Ben Vereen's incredible. Oh, he's great. All I'm missing is more dark sides, more sinister sides to it, because he just seems like he's a joke throughout, and then he suddenly turns. Mm-hmm. And I want moments where there's just, you stare at him, and there's just something more to it. Yeah. Well, the leading player tricks Pippin into becoming a politician. Yep. He learns that his father is a tyrant, and he needs to stand up. Mm-hmm. the microphone effect is great you know the way mm-hmm. he's like standing and you have this microphone and he says I'm a politician yeah. and he has like the politician's hat and they take off and go no you're a revolutionary mm-hmm. and yeah the king's vengeance prompts his followers to vanish so he has some followers he says even though we may all die and even though the, the Charlemagne will, will destroy every single one of us he can find out we're gonna, and, and he doesn't notice it in the background any followers he had <laughs> disappear because he's not a politician he's not very good at inspiring people he's lacking that he, you know yeah. but all his education he hasn't actually got the vital skills needed to be a good king mm. to be a good leader for Strada overhears the plan yes to kill Charlemagne or take over from Charlemagne yes but kill and she decides to take advantage of it as much as she can because either way uh, Lewis is advanced yeah and we get a, a, a nice exchange between them Lewis loves you my lord Lewis is an asshole my lady <laughs> I love that line yeah that's fun you know Charlemagne has some great moments mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like I like him more than I'm supposed to yeah, for a guy that's just killing people yeah. left and right. But yeah. the, he's he's funny and he's mm. engaging and he seems like he's got more to him than any other character in this. Yeah. Which means I've probably taken the exact wrong mean, meaning of this. <laughs> I, I, I mean, at least he, in the worst way possible, has his ideals, holds on to them and isn't being a whiny brat. No, exactly. <laughs> you know? He knows what he wants in the world. He knows he's not perfect. He'll do whatever he wants and he'll own up to the person he is. Yeah. He's the only person in this show that I think inspires any kind of morals of... Yeah, he literally says to Pippin about killing people at one point where Pippin's like, how could you do it? And he's like, it's my job. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want from me? So yeah, Fistrada uh, sows the seeds of uh, discontent and, you know, she's just not a nice person. No, she's not. She's only here for her own uh, advancement and for her son's advancement. And, which, you know, good for you her. You know, we get spread a little something. Again, the only sunshine. thing... Sunshine. What do you mean sunshine? Spread a little sunshine. Oh, I thought it spread a little something. All I liked about this was her little dance with the crown, to be honest. Yeah. I, I found that more frequently as the songs were playing, I, I kind of toned out the music and just watched the dancing Mm -hmm. because that was all that was kind of engaging me yeah and i love the moments with the crown and you know the precision with like putting on her leg and like just taking it off in one kind of swifting movement yeah no chita rivera is a phenomenal performer and then yeah we we show uh charlemagne praying Mm -hmm. and he says hello father and then pippin says my son which I thought was nice. It was, you know, ironic because obviously the roles were reversed. Yep. We have some nice dramatic irony here because we know what's going on. And 
you know, he talks about his eyes and he says, what do you see? Look in, look in my eyes. The what murder do of you see? The cult of personality. What's that from? The song, The Cult of Personality. Look in Who my eyes. Living Colour. What do you I've see? I've never heard that song. You never heard that song? No. Cult of I know what you expect from me. I'm a musical theatre person. Did you ever play Guitar Hero? No. Okay, it's on Guitar Hero. And I they... did, but only because they had it in the hospital I was in. Okay. It's just depressing. You know, but... I, I know you're not a wrestling fan, but it's one of my favourite wrestlers' entrance themes for a while as well. Who's? CM Punk. Oh, okay. I know that name. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> They then realise and they swap to the appropriate use of my son and father, which, Mm -hmm. you know, that's one of the best bits of dialogue this whole play has had. You know, I liked that. It's silly sort of humour and I I like it. Yeah. You know, we we just have to swap around and it it was funny. And the leading player congratulates Charles, which I thought was... Oh, Charles has a line about how the son is here to destroy the father or something and... The leading player comes out and is like, oh, that was very well done. And Charles is like, thank you. So why did we not have more things like this, you know? Because we need to get all this plot over with so that we problem. can get onto that. They're trying to do too much plot here. Right. Here's the thing. This is supposed to be a one-act show. We watched it in two halves. Yes. Because we had things to do. But if you sat and watched this all in one go as a one-act performance, I think you have then the building of his engagement with things rather than in act one, he doesn't do very much. And in act two, he's there a lot. But I don't, I still don't see it. Okay. I, I think that we've gone through a good like hour at this point with barely anything like that. And suddenly the next 40 minutes are filled with it. There needs to be more moments like this of him applauding as characters leave and just shaking their hands. Like, oh, good. Well done. You know, it doesn't need to be as big as what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But we need more of it. It's just not there. Uh, Charles the Great gives Pippin a knife. But Pippin's <laughs> no, like, that's you, not a knife. Own. This is a knife. Yeah. And yeah, he pulls an Oedipus. Yeah. And stabs his dad. And we get morning glory. Glow. I know. But... I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, this is one of the... Let's... So this is what became the interval song mm-hmm. in the modern revival. And it's what is used to break this show up into two halves. Yeah, I was yes. unsure which morning I needed to spell with this one. Because like it could I be... I liked that you said that. That never occurred to me before. Yeah, like that's... A you really... didn't see it written down. If you didn't see it written down, yeah. Like, are you in morning or is it just because it's a brand new morning can you feel a brand new day yeah but this song is about pippin saying i should have noticed this sooner yeah and he's king pippin or kingpin so is this the origin story of the famous daredevil and spider-man foe obviously obviously it is the sexiest royal robe we have seen on this podcast since hamilton it is exactly the same as the one that the king wears King Leonidas wore last week. Yeah, I didn't really notice. He wasn't in it much. He was more in his... <laughs> football gear. Football gear. Yeah. So, you know, that crown is too big. Moments like that. Love oh, it. You know, I'm, I'm looking going... <laughs> Some tissue paper will fix it. Yeah, mo- this is it. Moments like that are great. You know, and he just didn't have enough throughout the whole play. Mm-hmm. He's pipping the peaceful. He's... Uh... So he gave the land back to the poor who were tilling it 
Yep. He eradicated taxes, ended the military, and tried to peacefully settle foreign disputes. However, yes. all of those things immediately fall apart. Exactly. Uh, in comes Fastrada and Lewis, and they're like, we need our monthly allowance from, you know, the royal treasury. And he's like, no, you are going to forego luxury. Yeah. And, and she's like, wasn't that nice? <laughs> yep. Okay, whatever. And then, you know, we learn about the war and the Huns are like, yes, they will settle for this. But what they want is for me to bring them your genitals. And the slow crossing of his legs was great. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the slowness, especially in that one, was excellent. We learn it's not easy being king. And that yeah, Pippin, everybody wants something from him. Yeah, Pippin is a thing king. Did I actually say that? No, or did you just I just made that up. And yeah, he's bombarded with requests, he's spending too much time thinking about it, and he just is losing the plot completely, and goes from Pippin the Peaceful, Pippin the Great, to Pippin the Unpopular. Yes, and he starts to absolutely break down. So the leading player raises Charlemagne from the dead. Yes, the leading player says, well, what do you want? You're like, what can I get you, you know, so that we can sort this out? And Pippin says... I want to give my father his job back. And he's like, that's all you want? That's easy. I can do that. Brings Charlemagne back from yeah, the dead. Yeah, so because we've not had enough of the leading player doing what he is supposed to have been doing, mm-hmm. at this point it's just like, oh, it's just a dream sequence then. This never happened. This is just Pippin thinking through the consequences of his actions. Well, but it's not supposed to be taken that literally. It's literally... Yeah, I know that now. We staged him killing him. But I know that now, but here's the issue. Because the stuff with the leading player, you know, that this is play within a play, that, you know, he's actually trying to manipulate him into being a sacrifice. Because that stuff hasn't been clear. I just thought it was a dream sequence. But that's only because more modern things have told you that things like that happening are dream sequences. But I'm fully aware of this sort of theatre. I don't think they've done it successfully. That's my point. I don't care. I know you don't care. <laughs> and, you know, we get the line that life can still mean something in a musical comedy. So now even Pippin's breaking the fourth wall, which is especially jarring because he hasn't really done it before. No, that's true. It's only when Pippin is not enjoying what's happening that he'll break the fourth yeah, wall. Yeah, but it needed to be more frequently established a lot earlier on that he could do that. Mm. Because it's now very weird that suddenly he's breaking the fourth wall. What it is, is it's like, for me, Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night Time, where Mm. Act 1 is very much the plot, and then Act 2, we have far more references to the fact that this is the play that Christopher wrote, and he is now putting it on. And it just is kind of so shoehorned in, in Act 2, that there's not enough references to to it in Act 1. So in Act 1, there's, you know, we, we see bits where Siobhan is reading his diary, and then Act 2, we learn that he's writing a play and he wants to put his play on and at the end he controls the play. And it all all of that kind of narrative arc that happens in the second act of the play, but there's so little, if any, in Act 1. Mm. And it's the same here. Anything like this is happening so much in the second half of the play, whether you want to call it Act 1, Act 2. Certainly in the later moments, more of it happens. And it's all been shoehorned in there when actually it should have been spread and distributed much more during the play. Why is Pippin now breaking the fourth wall just because when he, he's not enjoying it anymore but, but he's not enjoyed stuff so much through this he doesn't enjoy having sex with as many people as he can so he but, stops so that. he stopped it that's so why, the point but why it would he, have carried on if but, the, him the actor hadn't said we're stopping it's not the character it's not that that's part of the plot for the character but it's not made and it's the same clear. here 
not every Pippin asks for his father to be brought back. Some of them just abandon the, the being the king. Yeah. You know, and this one, when the leading player says, well, what can I do for you? That's Pippin's chance to answer. Whichever Pippin it is, this one just happened to pick, I want to give my father his job back. And the player's like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. You can explain it as much as you want. The more you explain it, the more I'm like, I dislike this even more. Because it just hasn't done what it's supposed to do for me. Enter Catherine. And we get yeah. where is she? And this is where it really starts to fall apart. And, you know, I like the idea that you've just got a really bad actor playing Catherine. It's, you know, uh, she's so bad at it that she, she missed her cue. She wasn't ready on time. Fine. Yeah. She couldn't get her um, her shoe on. And eyelashes. Yeah. And her eyelashes, yeah. To kind of like... Yeah, she likes the arch of his foot. I've heard that story before. I don't know much about Charlemagne and Pippin in it, but I heard that story. I recognise that, that arc of, you know, she was seduced by the arch of his foot. Yeah, it's from a couple of other things. Yeah. Uh, kind of woman. Pippin's not feeling this song. He's just sat in bed like... <sighs> yeah, I love Kind of Woman. That is 100%. If I still had a repertoire, that song would be in there. So this is one of the moments I really noticed that you were laughing so much. Because yeah, she's funny. I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. Why? What's not to get? This is her being like, oh, I'm so normal, aren't I? She's the, like, the ultimate pick-me girl. Where she's like, yes, I'm just... Your average ordinary kind of woman, like you meet, you know, once or twice every decade or so. And like, that's funny. That's the juxtaposition. You mm. can't be your average everyday woman and also be the kind of girl you only meet every decade. Yeah. It's funny. I didn't, I didn't get it. I really, uh, you know, I was, okay. I was just, this is the kind of I'm song. sat like Pippin in the bed at this point. It's the one point in this play that I kind of was like, oh, I can actually relate to Pippin. I didn't get this song. Okay. I didn't get her character. Um, well, I just love... That how how much you can just ham up this song and have it be so on the nose because yeah. it is that she's just basically saying all of these things that Pippin hates that she's really normal and really ordinary but at the same time she's not yeah enter Theo and the kid is really cute but I really hated <laughs> guess what my duck's called <laughs> I felt really bad for the duck I didn't I didn't like no why was it a real duck. But it was so still and like either very well trained or just really just uncomfortable. I didn't, I didn't like that bit. That really, I, I like when animals are in theatre and in, in stuff like that. But this, yeah, dogs, yeah, and dogs are cute in puppies. Cute instant again, really great bit at the end. A puppy comes on stage and the actor is hugging the puppy and it's all like, oh. how often did they recycle that puppy? No idea, but it's the cutest. Because that bit. stresses me out. I've taken the you know school kids to it so often and it's always the biggest bit. It's like, oh. And everyone is so excited when the puppy comes out and the puppy is just so happy. You know, it's there and it's just getting cuddles. You think about like Bruiser in Legally Blonde. That, yeah. that dog is taken care of better than most of the humans. Yeah, yeah. But I, I felt bad for this duck. Yeah, same. I don't know why we needed a real duck, but I love... Yeah, <laughs> again, right, so, 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 they're, they're actors and it's play within a play. So we don't need, we don't need this realism have like a cardboard duck or just something really tacky mm-hmm. we don't need it that's the whole gimmick of this play so don't bring i need to realism. find out what they do in the modern one yeah you, you know this isn't a play that needs realism so don't bring out an actual duck which for me is even more like a big sin of pippin is 
you're going for realism here when you shouldn't be going for realism whatsoever. Yeah. Seven days in bed beats your record. Because Pippin spends the next seven days in bed. It doesn't. And more of the leading player suddenly being far more involved. Read the line naggingly. But he put his hand on me. They don't usually do that. Yeah. I love that line. I'd love the line if there'd been more of it. Yeah. But I love that she is obviously... She doesn't really want to be in this theatre troupe. She's doing her best. She's obviously not that interested in being here. And the... The kid is her actual child. See, I didn't get that. And he says it to her. And so when he puts his hand on her, he obviously already cares about her. And she's like, they don't normally care about me. But again, why? this is the thing. I didn't get her arc. I didn't get her character, both as Catherine, but also as an actor. I didn't get, like, anything she was doing. But why could they not have had more actors throughout being like, huh? Pippin doesn't usually do this. Why could we not have the king being like, Pippin doesn't usually refuse my knife? Why can't we have more throwaway lines like what she does to show that this is a different Pippin? Yeah. Or have when Charlemagne's brought back... Him just being like... They don't normally... Yeah. Why have we not had more of these moments where it's all just so thrown in now? It just bugs me. Extraordinary. First world problems the musical. There's supposed to be a song here um, called Prayer for a Duck. Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny. Extraordinary is a great song. It's First World Problems, the musical. I don't care, I like it. Yeah, and you're fine to like it. I'm I'm really like toned out by this point. I, I don't I don't like that as his trajectory is just like he's always just searching for something. I'm just like, oh, just settle. You know, you've got so many great opportunities. But he needs to figure that out for himself. You can't tell people that. I know that. That's I know. The point. But the problem is with him, it's like he's making He's such an unlikable character and he's just making drama because he's almost like he wants more than this provincial life. And it's like there's so many people who'd be like, I'm so happy with this. And it's almost like he's mocking so many different forms of people's lives because it's just not good enough for him because something about him is more special than anyone else. And there's nothing special about him. It just bugged me. And by this point, I'm sick of seeing him just like, passing life by and not eat. it feels very much because it's so rushed through he doesn't even give it a try he does it for a day and is like nope i'll move on yeah because he thinks he's too good for it yeah that's the point he's not supposed to be likable in this i know that but when he is painted as your main character who you view the world from he's not he, he was in my mind love song yeah, so he starts to warm up to Catherine a bit, even though he says that she has the tone of a woman who has had the head of her table empty for too long. Yeah. Which is obviously a line he's been told to say. Yes. But at the same time, he's clearly really into her. And it, the leading player is in the background for this whole song. He does not like this. Even though the characters are supposed to love each other, the way that they're performing it is clearly not something that normally happens. If you insist. I didn't get any of that. Okay. I um, I didn't get the sense that he was particularly into Catherine. He's not into Catherine. He's into the actress. Yeah, I didn't get the sense that he was into the actress. 
I, 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 and I think maybe that's a problem with having extraordinary here because I'm preempting him to just give up on it all. I didn't get the sense he had any feelings one way or another for her, you know, be it the actress or Catherine. The dance going wrong was an interesting way of changing like their incompatibility. Oh my god! Yeah, I like that as an idea. And then the you know the actually doing it actually yeah. in the bed, and then you do it take two. I I liked that I love, as an idea when they sit up and the way that William Cat says, "I'm sorry," yeah. <laughs> like, it's so pathetic. It's more it. moments where like the dance in this is the best thing. I mean, it's possible, of course. But the dance is the best thing, and especially like the so tongue in cheek, like mm-hmm. you're you're building up for this, this jump, and it just yeah. goes wrong. And mm-hmm. I liked that. I thought that was interesting. Also, it's very difficult to actually catch somebody and fall onto the floor because it's staged. You know. Yeah. You know, it, it was better next time, which was great. Yeah. You know, a nice little throwaway line. We skip forward as in all musical comedies to a love song, and it's not quite bad idea. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really like. And I feel like it's almost like they know that this part of it is usually, like, not everyone's favourite bit of a, a musical comedy. Yeah, nobody cares about the romance. Yeah, so it, the, I didn't care about the song. I thought it's a really bad song. Not badly performed, just not a... Engaging. Engaging song. Yeah. You it's know. not supposed to be. It's the love song, which is what the leading player says. He's like, ah, oh, time for a love song. Yeah. You know, this is when you go and get your popcorn. Yeah. And then it's like... Catherine's a bad actor. I don't get it. You know, we. I, I, I thought the joke was going to be here that you just had one really bad actor, not somebody who's like, he doesn't do this, and they were changing on stage. I just thought the joke was that Catherine's a bad actor and she'll be replaced next time. It made me think, oh, so this is a new Pippin, because maybe the old Pippin has either, you know, moved on, aged out, or was just a bad actor, so they cut him and they bought a new Pippin. So all of this felt like it was playing up to this big joke, like maybe the leading player be like, oh, thank God Catherine's gone, we can finally you know, get this back on track. Mm. Oh, replace her with a different actress. Yeah, or yeah. just um, move on and get some momentum back in this show. All the all the stop starting with Catherine, because it's suddenly come out of nowhere, really halts the momentum. So Catherine gets Pippin to sit at the head of her table, Yep, which is what Pippin knew she wanted anyway. She wanted... Well, she wanted a ma- a male lover, you know? She wants someone to be with because she's a widower. And as soon as this happens, it's too monotonous for him. He yeah. realises that it'll be the same thing every single day and he... This is not enough. Uh, he won't get stuck doing the same thing every day. And as she suggests, every night. And every night, yeah. Yeah, because from her perspective, what's the problem here? Is it me? Yeah. Like, your problem is you don't want to spend every day with me? Or is it you don't want to spend every day with this life? Because technically she's landed gentry. Mm. It's not like they're in a bad life position. Yeah. Anyway, there's supposed to be a song here called I Guess I'll Miss the Man, um, which is when she shouts after him and she says, Pippin, I love you, Pippin. Yeah. She's not supposed to... Well, obviously within the terms of writing the show, she's supposed to say this line. From the leading player's perspective, she's not supposed to say that she loves him. Yeah. And then she sings this song, I guess I'll miss the man. And the leading player keeps trying to cut her off because she's not supposed to be doing this. She doesn't get this time. So that's something that should have been in this. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I'm starting thinking. Is this Pippin as a new actor? This is where I start to figure out kind of what's going on. Yeah. So I've got the note. Is this Pippin as a new actor changing 
the narrative on the fly because he says it's not supposed to be like this. Yeah. And I'm like, if that's the point, I'm getting this way too late. Because we're, we're, we're basically 10 minutes from the end. Now we are in the finale. Mm-hmm. And that's when I twig. And it's like, and even then I'm not completely sure if I'm right. The play has not done enough to make it clear. We're in the finale at uh, the only perfect act. We see the fire pit and we see that the perfect finale and it goes up in flames. Mm-hmm. And Pippin's like, cool. And they're like, oh, but it's just a trick. When you do it, it'll be for real. Yeah. And you'll have that one moment where you are basically the brightest thing on the stage. It will be completely fulfilling for you because everybody will notice how wonderful you are. You'll be like Fanny Bryce, Hmm. the greatest star. Yeah. Or alternately, the sun. And at this point, the leading player comes across more sinister and I'm very much like, why is he so sinister? What's going on? What's actually happened here? Mm. And they want him to step into the flames. Is this why they have a new Pippin? Because they burnt the last one? So I'm starting to get this. You know, I've got the notes. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I enjoy it because it's come out of nowhere. It's very left field. It doesn't feel like it's been building. Like this is the natural conclusion to it. And we get the finale song. And I write the note, is Pippin and Icarus who has flown too close to the sun? Yes. Because, but but again, I I just don't understand it. Because are they saying the actor or are they saying the character of Pippin? Is Mm -hmm. this for real or is this just staged? I didn't get it. It wasn't clear enough that this was them calling an audible on stage and actually talking as actors and forgetting that the audience were there because it's like you do this or else yeah i thought it was more metaphorical like hey pippin you don't know what you want from life so why not just go out in a blaze of glory mm-hmm. i didn't get that this was supposed to be the actors okay um is he a sacrifice is this a festival for dionysus so again like more reason more rationale why are they doing this why do you need to know because I want it to make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. It does have to make sense. <laughs> I need to know why they're doing it for me to, to be able to understand the show. There's no rationale for it. Are they just psychopaths? Is this to save the earth? Is this a festival for the gods? Does it make it better for you that they're killing one person every show if it's for a greater reason? Yes. Why? Because I, I just need to know what the rationale is for it. Because it, it literally makes no sense. They're still going to kill someone. Fine. I'm I'm happy if they kill someone. But why the urgency? They've only got... Well, until the stage is finished. You know? Yeah, but I, I don't understand the urgency to it. Okay. I don't understand why they're so upset that this Pippin isn't doing it. Yeah, so he refuses. And Catherine and Theo, which is the little boy, come on stage. Yeah. Which is not in the script. Well, so this is it. He looks terrified and broken and he, he he goes up to walk in to the flames and then he runs away because mm-hmm. he just can't do it. So Catherine comes out and the leading player takes away all the dressing, all the theatrics. They, they get rid of all the backdrop. Yes. The lights go up. He takes off their clothes, wipes off their makeup. Mm-hmm. The worst... He takes her wig off. I feel worse for the little boy. Yeah. Because obviously they take off his top. So he's standing there like... I, for me, I didn't need, I don't know, I felt really bad for that that kid again. Like it's, I don't know. I have things to say about the kid because there's something else that we need to talk about in a minute. Yeah, but, but I feel like, fine, do it with Catherine, do it with uh, Pippin. Leave Theo out of it. Actually, I'll talk about it now. So the reason that they take his top off as well is because he wears the same outfit as Pippin. 
Did he? Yeah. He, him and Pippin have the same, not the chainmail top, the, like, peasant top. Mm, They both have the same one. He is dressed as Pippin, and they wear the same trousers with the loops around the bottom of them. So when they take the costumes off of them, he is left looking the same as Pippin. Works better if you have a kid that looks like Pippin. Yeah. Um, Which most productions do, because the way that this show ends now is that Theo is the next Pippin. So after Pippin leaves at the end of the show and they leave the troop believe without him, the new productions have an extended ending called the Theo ending, which was conceived in 1998. And after all the players leave, Pippin and Catherine leave the stage and Theo runs back to center stage and he sings Corner of the Sky And then the leading player comes back on, holds his hand out and sings one line of magic to do. And then they leave together. So the kid becomes the next Pippin, which is way darker. (laughs) I kind of love it. It's so nice because you just see that this happens over and over again. And even when the players lose, they still win. They still get their next Pippin. Yeah. I like it. It's great. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work in this version. I can imagine that that might work a little bit more in the stage show. Yeah, the leading player's lost it. He asks the audience to participate in the grand finale and I mean if I'm in the audience I'll be like, "Yes, I'd volunteer." But no one does. No. I wonder if anyone ever has volunteered to go up and and be the sacrifice. <laughs> Maybe not. You know, I just... Well, I think he says when nobody no, nobody volunteers, he says, well, you know where to find us. So I think even if they somebody in the audience said yes, he could be like, well, you know where to find us. Yeah, I, I would like to see what happened if somebody did put their hand up. <laughs> I'd be intrigued. Everything's gone. And that's it. They leave the stage. He, he says, stop playing that keyboard. Stop the music. Turn the lights off. Everything stop. <laughs> he comes and he's back. You take your hands off that keyboard. <laughs> so this is the... Love pr- it. it's, it's delivered more for humor mm-hmm. when i think at this point it shouldn't be funny okay he's completely unhinged at this point so why has he gone back to being funny but he's not he's threatening but it didn't come across threatening okay it felt more funny than it did anything else and then we have some singing and i say to you is he singing or is this a voiceover and even you i got mad yeah yeah so the version that we watched is the one that's on amazon prime i don't recommend it to be perfectly honest like, go, if this show is revived again, go and see it. Because I want to, and I love the 2013 version. I love the original version, the stage versions. However, if you watch this film version, at the end of it, Catherine, we end with Catherine saying, do you feel fulfilled, Pippin? And he says, no. No, he doesn't say anything. No, no, he says no. And then she says, do you feel happy? And he says, no. And she says, well, how do you feel? And then the film ends and the credits start rolling. And I was like, where's the line? So the the show is supposed to end when she says, well, then how do you feel? And he says, trapped, which isn't too bad for the end of a musical comedy. And then he pauses and then he goes, ta-da. And that's it. Yeah. And then they all come out and bow, obviously. But yeah, why why did they end it like that? Why did they do that? It's a, yeah, I don't it's understand. a weird ending. I'll never know how he feels. Mm-hmm. What's your best song in Pippin? My best song in Pippin is either 
extraordinary kind of woman or no time at all. I love no time at all. I've said to you before, when we did Billy Elliot, that I have a couple of old lady roles that I want to play when I am an old lady. One of them is Billy Elliot's grandma and the other one is Bertha because she's so cool. And I I like the idea of, especially with the 2013 version, getting to do all the acrobat stuff. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. What about you? I said Glory, but I'll be honest, a day later, none of the songs have really stuck with me. I think I would say it's my best song just because I really liked the inventive way of staging a war with it. Mm -hmm. What is your skip song? Uh, Spread a Little Sunshine. I really like it as a performance. Yeah. But I think it doesn't work so well as the um as an audio. Yeah. I I mean I'm I don't I don't see myself adding any pippin to my playlist. Definitely not this version. Definitely not this version, but for now any pippin. Mm-hmm. I would say of this the, the the by far the most like disengaging song and I guess it's supposed to be was Love Song. Mm-hmm. So that one. My MVP is a leading player. Yeah. Just because all of the dance and everything is so engaging. Yeah, Ben Vereen is a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. Yeah, and I think for me, what is lacking is the the right direction. Mm Because I think when he's unhinged, he's great. He doesn't do it enough. But for me, that's a director's choice more than it is his choice. Yeah. So everything he does, he does great. Yeah, I would love to see him in Wicked. He was in Wicked... From 2005 until 2006 yes. as the wizard, which was really cool. And also he played Judas at one point in Jesus Christ Superstar, which I also think he would be great at. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's also my MVP. Which role would you want to play? Catherine. I could... This is the thing. We have the the maiden, the mother, the crone characters in this. Yeah. So you can sort of age through these characters. So if you play Catherine, you can then age up and play for Strada and then one day be Bertha. Yeah. So I would do that. Yeah. <laughs> I said uh, Charlemagne. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. I could have more fun with, mm-hmm. with Charlemagne, I think, than anyone else. You know, leading play is great. I'd mm-hmm. love to play their role, but... You are white. Exactly. Yeah. Not appropriate, so I'm not going to, you know, suggest that. For me, it's Charlemagne. Yeah. So over to Twitter, where our poll, 28% say it's okay, not great. 14% say no, Pippin is not for me. And 58% say yes, Pippin is a delight. Elena at Miss underscore Elena says, yes, it's a classic. I mean, who doesn't love Fosse's work? And Ben Vereen is a mega talent. Also, this show was the first to have a commercial on TV that advertised for it by showing one minute dance clip of the song Glory. Enjoy. At Jared Good says, I love the revival. Mm-hmm. At Theatre Flashback 1, so it's Theatre Flashbacks, I love Pippin and would have loved to see the original. But the film does seem to do justice. Mm-hmm. I saw a crazy production at the Menier in 2012 with a fantastic cast, including Francis uh, Raphael, Carly Borden, Harry Heppel, Matt Rule, set inside a video game, which sounds great. Mm. I like the idea that this is probably you know, more like a D&D campaign or, you know, choose your own adventure video game, you know, like a proper RPG. Yeah. Goes on to say, uh, at Hope Mill Theatre One, did a great production in 2017 with a brilliant at G. Nicole UK as leading player. It transferred to London too. 
at uh, B-Way Ghost Lights, that's Broadway by Ghost Light, there is in existence the Fosse cut of the pro shot. Whomever was in charge didn't care for the version that Fosse had edited and it was recut, mm-hmm. but somehow the original cut made it out in the world. Some collectors have it. So can we start the hashtag release the Fosse cut, please? Yeah, because somebody send it to me. <laughs> That'd be I, great. I, yeah. We'll talk in a second about my my thoughts. Uh, and then at BFE underscore Georgia. So this is Georgia, who is on the Best Film Ever uh, mm-hmm. podcast. I found this one really, really interesting. Yeah. I've not seen the film version, but at Hope Miller Theatre One did it a few years ago, and it was fantastic. It's also why my puppy has his name. Yay! So and we now have two Pippins. Two Pippins. That's cool. I remember lying awake one night thinking of puppy names, and I looked to my side, and staring back at me was the programme from when I saw it almost two years earlier. And of course... As is tradition when we talk about dogs, Mm -hmm. Georgia has paid the dog tax. And there is a picture of Pippin. Oh, he's so cute. He is adorable. What a cutie. What a cutie. And Wow, he really knows he's having his picture taken in that photo. That's great. Oh, absolutely. So thank you so much, Georgia, for that. You know, not only for getting involved, but also paying the dog tax. Mm -hmm. Because he is such a good boy. We love it. So, I don't get Pippin. I don't think the music was anything special. Mm-hmm. I think that obviously seeing that there is a Fosse cut suggests that this isn't the full experience. Yes, I would agree. And I think there is a lot that is being missed in this. And as an introduction to Pippin, I don't get it. I think any time you have to watch something a second time to even potentially get it with musical theatre, there's a problem. Because musical theatre can be expensive. Okay, yeah, fair. We've got a pro shot. We can watch this as much as we want. But Mm -hmm. if I leave that theatre and I have to go and pay however much, they joke that it's $25 a seat. But if I have to pay more... (laughs) The audience laughed at that. If I have to pay more to go see this again, you've missed the point of what it should be musical theatre shouldn't be like this. Well, I mean, to start with, it should be cheaper to be able to go and see musical theatre. Yes, but my point being that if you are in a position where you have to watch it again, or maybe a third time to watch it, I'm not cool with that. Okay. It's different when there's a pro shot. This was a TV film. If if this was a movie, fine. We could watch it on Netflix a second time and be like, ah, that's really interesting. I don't mind watching things where I have to think. There's not enough in the construction of this show for me to actually get Mm. what they're saying. And if I pay to go see this and I'm left feeling the way I do now and we then talk about it, I'm just going to be even more annoyed because I'm going to have to go back and watch it a second time and pay money again to go see it, which I don't think is fair. I really love the choreography. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. Yeah, you we've had a couple of... Obviously, we've done Chicago and this. We've talked about Fosse a few times. You like yeah. Fosse dance style. Yeah, I really, really like the dance for this. Mm-hmm. And I think the leading play is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to change my score based on what my initial thought was. There's been times when I've been talking about this where I've been like, I think I need to drop my score. <laughs> There's never been a moment where I've thought I should up my score because I think you've given it more credit than it deserves. I think you maybe have this view 
because you sin maybe a better version yeah probably or because you've done extensive research and maybe you've gone away read about it learned about it, and then reflected i really haven't i don't know it's only from watching versions of it but my point being i don't think this version is as clever as you claim it to be i've not dropped my score mm-hmm. i've kept it at a two star okay one star for how awesome the leading player is yep. slash ben Charlemagne. Mm. One star for the awesome choreography. No stars for plot. No stars for the music itself. Okay. I didn't enjoy this one. And I think I would, it's like Rent. I think I'd be willing to see it live with, you know, an actual experience. I think maybe this is one you've got to be in a seat to really get. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think knowing as well that this isn't a definitive cut, mm-hmm. you know, that's... There are some things where you can have... We've talked about High School Musical. You look at Lord of the Rings. I don't want to always have to watch the three, four-hour cuts. I want to be able to sit sometimes and just watch the, the theatrical cut. But having an extended cut is a nice little extra. It feels like this is the Joss Whedon Justice League that should be deleted from history. And we should... <laughs> But do you get what I mean? That sure, We yeah. should be having a definitive edition as the standard, and this isn't it. And as a result, I wonder, is that version better? And I'd get more of it. Would I have left this play going, wow, this was so smart. I'm so ready to talk to you about how, you know, breaking the fourth wall and Pippin being a sacrifice. and make, Would I have yeah, got there that are from a, lot a different of version? bits that were really cut in this, like verses and verses and yeah. songs that are taken out. And I think the worst bit is, if we ever do go see Pippin live, I'm not going to have the joy of that discovery. Mm. And I feel robbed from this version. I could imagine if we'd gone to see this as a play, if I'd got it, the joy in learning it and making those connections when I watched it, that's been robbed of me now. And I feel really hard done by this version. So I don't think Pippin is the fault i think it is just a very bad production of it because it came out in the 70s and this is the 80s mm-hmm. so it's it's a few years on nothing to fault with with the actors i i don't know i just i feel like so much has been missed so two stars for me i will happily go see pippin with you if it comes back to london and be very intrigued to see how it goes Besides the brighter note, what are we watching next week? It's been a month since we voted for High School Musical 2 or Descendants 2. Yes, we did promise after we did High School Musical 2, because we let you lovely people vote, and High School Musical 2 won, thanks guys, Um, we did say we would do Descendants 2. People say that this is better. Yeah, I, I a feel, lot of people have told us that the second one's better. Obviously, like I've seen it. It's like a season one, season two thing. Like, in season one, you kind of just do enough to get by. Mm-hmm. And if it gets commissioned for another series, you'll hopefully have a fan base and you can do more with it. And I feel like Descendants 2, it set the groundwork. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know. I enjoyed High School Musical 2. Yeah. More than I did High School Musical 1. And I'm hoping I will enjoy Descendants 2 more than I enjoyed Descendants 1. We get a lot that more... the framework's been established. We get a lot more Isle of the Lost. Okay. Which is where the better fashion is. So. Mm, but also <laughs> some of the worst about. performances. No, it gets better in this one. I don't know, I really Sweet. didn't like their techno song at the start. Yeah, but the parents don't show up in this one. 
Spoilers. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, we are going to be back next week with The Descendants 2. But mm-hmm. watch this space Wednesday because we have a very special treat coming your way. Yes. So a month it's ago. Time for Danny to get his own back. It is. I feel like I need to get my own back for uh, Pippin as well. It's time for me to get my own back. A month ago, we turned one. Yay. And we decided to test my progress. And there were some very mean questions when Drew quizzed me. Uh, they weren't mean. They were all on topic. However, I gave you a correct answer. That you were like, yeah, but it's not the answer I wanted. So no points. <laughs> so because I am bitter and I am that sort of person, <laughs> I have done a quiz for Drew. Mm-hmm. And this Wednesday, we will be putting Drew's musical knowledge to the test in what I like to call when I quizzed the teacher. Yeah. And uh, let us know if you get the reference, you know, gold star to whoever can uh, pick up why I titled it that way. So that will be launching this Wednesday. So watch this space mm-hmm. and make sure you come back next week for The Descendants 2. In the meantime, you can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod. Let me know what you thought of Pippin and tell me why I got it wrong or where I could do maybe some more extra reading or research to maybe understand Pippin. Obviously, let us know your thoughts about The Descendants too, as well as we go back to the world of DCOMs, the wonderful world of Disney. And you can, as always, find us where all good podcasts can be found. Yep. Apple Podcasts on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and Podbean. Yes, indeed. And if you are feeling generous, you can also leave us a five-star review, either on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser, where we can be found, Mm -hmm. and help make our day, and leave us some love. Because we we like feeling the love. Yes. We will be back next week. Same bat place, same bat channel. For Descendants 2. Have a magical musical Monday. Yeah, I I liked the Fozzie. I liked the Fozzie. (laughs) Fozzie. (laughs) 